What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. I am here with Stephen, our wonder boy, non-scientist, expert, COVID extraordinaire, right on everything. And before I allow him to speak, you know, you guys can all just look at his pretty face. He's got his fancy glasses on, looking on extra smart. But I'd like to take a second and plug Yo Kratom, home of the $6 kilo. Um, I uh, I took myself some white mang dye last night, got this entire apartment cleaned. Because, well, actually, you know what, Stephen? You might as well say hello to people and then I could uh, tell this tale. Oh, uh, what's up? I'll also go ahead and plug Yo Kratom. Uh, they're cool cats and the Kratom gets gets you where you need to go. Yeah, whatever that means, because we can't make health claims. So I, I don't even know what that means. But, you know, he's our wonder. He's our non-scientist letting you know wherever it is that you're looking to go. It might get you there. We can't say that it will. We can't be making claims like that. Um, no, I mean, my my apartment got a little out of control and uh, that I kept buying shit or fans were sending me shit and i had it was like a hedge maze dude it was literally a hedge maze where i kept just putting boxes up in random spots and then not it was it, it was hoardery i was living in a construction unit and then you get some cats and you'll be well, all set oh my god dude if you threw cats in here hey they'd have plenty of places to live all the all the fucking boxes laying around um <laughs> so the other night I, I felt really good i've been training me and uh robert might race up this mountain so i, I went out mm -hmm. and uh i did myself a training session i did two thousand steps um jogging but it was up down so that's different right i was feeling good i was like my knees don't hurt i was like i actually i might be able to win this thing uh and then last night i was going to take a leak and i had so much trash i wiped out on like some i don't even know what i wiped out on but dude i fucking crashed hard like i was like half asleep and then i was just like lying on the floor and i was like i might just have to go to sleep on the floor and find out in the morning if i broke my knees uh but yeah. then yeah i was like i can't be living like this anymore you know i'm not i'm not joe biden i shouldn't be walking i shouldn't be wiping out while trying to take a, a bathroom break Right, right. At, at four in the morning, you know, because I'm because I'm trying to be hydrated here. Uh, so then I finally uh, took some white mang down and got the whole place clean. So now I feel like a human being. And uh, oh, is like, that what is that Adderall? No, white no, no, no. Oh. You can't you can't be making claims like that. Uh, oh, right, so yeah. Stephen, I like the new glasses. Thank you. Yeah, they help me get in the mode. You know, the uh, the the analytical mode. Are they yeah. are they purely cosmetic? Those like hot chick glasses. You just put them on for uh, for style. Yeah. They're hot chick glasses plus orange filters. So like they help you by like staring at screens. And like to be perfectly honest, I've been I've been like smoking like a fair amount of like nicotine vape along with like of course the normal weed oil, right? But it, right. it can violate your pupils, which then can strain you and give you headaches if you're just kind of like just rocking it cold. Got you, got you. Well, coming down the pike, I should have a uh, a nicotine sponsor. I look forward to plugging that because uh, I, I do like myself some nicotine as well. Uh, now, right, Stephen, yeah. before we give the people the breakdown, I know what they're here for. They, they're, they, you know what? These fans, I'm catching on to them. They're like, have more guests. We, we've had enough of these rants. Just give us the information. That's what we're here for. And you know what? Hold your horses. We'll get there, people. Before we do that. I, you know, this is the world's greatest plug for Summer Porch Store. I'm out here. I'm throwing parties in people's backyards. I'm trying to build a cult. I'm trying to create a scene where uh, the autists at home can come out, meet other autists, people that hate vaccines, people that hate Fauci. Give them a place that they can hang out and mingle. And uh, it sounds to me like you actually picked up a hot girlfriend from the California show. Yeah, she actually picked me up, to be honest with Hell you. Hell yeah. Was, yeah, dude. It was after the presentation, after your porch tour in L.A., which was just a banger, dude. It was cool. We had like, you know what, like 40, 50 people in the backyard. And you got you and Brian, right? Is that? Yeah. Or yeah, you and Brian from uh, Sons of Liberty, right? 
Lions of Liberty. Lions of Liberty. Yeah, yeah. You guys threw down a quick set, and then I gave a quick presentation on the side of the house on vaccine awareness. And towards the end, we actually talked about how there's new proof of how not only the original COVID virus, but the mRNA vaccines can activate certain proteins in our cells to integrate back into our DNA. So they're an RNA virus and it's an RNA vaccine, but what can happen with a specific protein reverse transcriptase, which is expressed in some of our liver and immune cells, it can take that RNA and turn it back into DNA. And long story short, um, Casey was also, you know, she's actually into kind of more holistic medicine, but with like a very rigorous analytical approach. So she's really familiar with that type of like retro tra transcriptase and line one element. So she actually came up to me and she, and she started questioning me to make sure I knew my thing, my stuff on this, those and elements. This is, this is the greatness of Portstar. You go anywhere else and people are toning you out. They're like, what yeah. the fuck is this guy exactly. talking about? Sounds to me like he's a fucking, uh, conspiracy theorist. He's one of these crazy, but you come to porch tour and there's other people intelligent enough to go, Hey, I'm into this. And that chick was a, that was a smoke show. Oh yeah. Oh no, dude. She's not only brilliant, but super hot. And she's like working on her black belt in jujitsu. So she like kicks my ass literally every time I hang out, but like, you know, and I could see you being into that. Yeah, no, like low key. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't tell her that. No. <laughs> All right. So uh, everybody get your tickets to Summer Porch Tour. August is going to be jam packed. I'm adding more dates. Uh, Vegas tickets are actually moving, which I'm impressed by. Uh, we're going to be at a random farm in Michigan. Uh, we've got Harden, the Harden Soul of Summer Porch Tour at Max's, which you can camp at. So that one's the that one, dude. That one's a big party show. It's me, the Shedcast guys. I'm bringing, yeah. uh, I'm bringing the big guns. Menu and Heart's gonna be on that one. Uh, um, BK Chris is gonna be on that one. Menu and Heart. I just saw him do an hour at Caroline's, and he has next level shit. I actually think I'm gonna have him close that because I don't think I can follow him right now. He's he's hit a new level. So props, to my friend, Menu and Heart, on achieving comedy greatness and uh, come out for the DC show or the Maryland show. Uh, he's gonna be on both of those, and then in talks for some other ones. And I, I know I'm missing some, but there's a bunch going on and in Connecticut next week. And all right. So Steven, let's get into some of the actual information that these people have come here for. We've wasted six minutes of their time. We've talked about you actually getting laid, uh, me tripping and hurting my knees in my uh, quest for victory against Robert. Uh, but let's take a victory lap in terms of everything that we've been saying about COVID. And let's start with this Lancet article, it was something that Tucker Carlson brought up on his show the other day, seemingly suggesting that if you have not been recently boosted, uh, you might actually be more at risk <laughs> if you've been vaccinated. So I'll hand it back to you. I will hand it back to you to break this down for us. Yeah. So this is this is really stunning that this is openly published, which makes me believe like things are so bad. Um, they have to let it out. People have to cover the CYA. So um, what you can see uh, is the screen being shared. Oh, yeah. Let me uh, pull it up. That's a great point. Thank you. Oh, Steve, my God. Perfect. Steven, Steven does his homework. He's got the slides. You the man. All right. Let me just pull this up. So what you can see. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. So I got control. Here we go. So this is from the Lancet article. This is actually from back in February. So what it shows is vaccine effectiveness on the Y axis. And you can see the claim that started out at 95%. That time starts about two weeks after your last dose. So you can see that right here. And that claim is based on how many, uh, how many people are vaccinated and what percentage of them are getting infected by COVID in a way that's, you know, more serious than non-symptomatic. And the way that you can compare vaccine effectiveness throughout time 
is you can look at, okay, after four months, how many unvaccinated people are getting infected with COVID versus how many vaccinated people are getting infected with COVID per 100,000 people. And so what the Lancet did is they followed almost a million uh, vaccinated individuals and an equal number of unvaccinated individuals. And what they found out is that right at this eight month mark after your second, uh, your second vaccine, what starts to happen is that a higher percentage of people that are vaccinated are getting infected seriously with COVID versus unvaccinated. So again, what they found so is this that is I, actually the yeah. first comparative study that we've seen right. uh, that's actually comparing vaccinated to non-vaccinated because it, it, it would, to my eye, right. at every juncture in time when they tried to say, hey, this is a pandemic of the unvaxxed, uh, they weren't releasing all the information. The CDC actually got in trouble for that and they were not giving us an honest picture. Usually, sometimes they were playing around with the time series. Like one of them was when they were saying that everyone that's getting sick is unvaccinated. They weren't looking at the information from the last two months, which would have been relevant to the current variants. They were looking at it from time periods prior to people being vaccinated. That was just one trick that they pulled. Right. I've somewhat lost interest in this because it's like we've done so much homework and like we just keep being right. And like the general idea here was, hey, this is experimental and it's not helping. So why are they selling us on it? Like, I, I don't I, I, I right. feel like you and I have proved our case. So it's like to keep rehashing things at some point, you're like, I, I've done this. Uh, but now this is new information that we have, which is an actual study comparing the two. And what it's telling us is six months out, if you've been vaccinated and it's not within the last six eight, months, eight months, eight months, yeah. eight months, you actually have an increased risk of getting sick. Now, that increased risk, because that's a bull world, how like how much of an increase are we talking about here? Like how much how much worse is it? Well, so you can see um, how there is a light red bar and then there's a red line. Right. That, that, that has to do with a standard deviation and basically within a, like a 95 percent confidence interval. So what that bar says is that we can we can be like we can be sure that these numbers um, that the that whatever the mean or the median calculation is, which is that dark red line within reasonable doubt, the actual number is going to fall between these two lines. And so basically what this says is with a high degree of statistical significance, at least after eight months, um, or you can see going on nine months, that there is absolutely no benefit to being vaccinated versus unvaccinated, or what this data could also show, because again, there's this being statistically significant, it gives you a range. It could also show that you're actually up to 20% more likely to be infected. 20% more likely to get infected if you had been vaccinated, but not boosted within the last eight months. Correct. All and, right. and, and, then, and that's the worst case scenario. And the best case scenario is it does nothing. Right. And then just to speak to their strategy, which might include getting boosted, the issue with that is that um, I think, th and this might be contrary to what we just said of the last eight months based on studies, but currently I think if you get boosted, the utility of that is only for two months. And if you're getting boosted every two months, I mean, talk about no research. We really don't know what that might do to you. And what are you getting boosted with? The same original vaccine, right? Right. Same and so, and so you're in, you're increasing the antibodies, which doesn't actually help like the robust immunity because there's nothing related to T cells or, or otherwise. This shows. This shows they might hurt. Yeah. Okay. So, what are the most current numbers? Because I, I know that other countries are publishing it. I keep seeing Alex Berenson kind of post that other countries have data kind of showcasing that. Uh, you know, 
vaccines just failure at this point. Uh, to your eye, because I, I, I also see that there does seem to be an increase in actually people getting sick. And we seem to be kind of getting close to where we were at every other stage in this pandemic when they were panicking. Um, so, like, where are we now? Are, is the current sub VA2 variant, are we at a, a, a did the virus mutate in a strange way that it's actually um, as deadly as the original? Like, where are we? Like, who's getting sick? Yeah. Is it vaccinated or unvaccinated or healthy individuals at risk? Like, just in terms of us people that just want to go about and live our lives, uh, I, I, you know, we're like, we're not going to get honest information. The government's not going to turn around now and go, hey, this is actually more deadly than ever. The last two years we failed. And so now we need everyone to go back and home until we can figure out something new. That's not going to work. So we're never in, you know what I mean? We're not going to get the honest information. So you, you report to us the one non-scientist who actually seems to have a handle on this, where are we at now? This is going to be so disappointing, but I'm not even bothering looking at where are we now data because it's been so corrupt and we've proven it's been corrupt. And we'll talk about Deborah Brinks later, which again is fruit from the poison tree. You know, if you find one, uh, if you're reviewing a peer-reviewed paper, like I write something, I have to send it to masters in the field. They all go through it. If in that process they find that I lied even about one thing, they rip up that paper and then every other paper I've written gets thrown out because it's all fruit from the poison tree. And, right. and that's what this whole COVID argument's based off of. And and so I would and so unfortunately, like I I think there are good places like Alex Berenson where you could go, where are we now? But I, I would like more from a thirty thousand foot view and kind of where have we been and then what have they admitted. So uh, with that, I actually I actually kind of brought um yeah, so I actually brought back some old slides and kind of added to them too, just to kind of just so we remember where we came from. But first, to answer your question: the virus is getting less deadly. Um, it's it's not like up for debate. I I can't find one example of a virus getting more contagious and more deadly um, throughout time. Uh, now you could argue bacteria are different because they they're actually living organisms that that kind of that's a little bit different. But there's no there's no respiratory virus that can spread and get more deadly. And, and that's not because of like people say so that's because of the way the virus actually acts um, and, and spreads. And it, you know, it's, it's almost as simple as if you're, if you're, if you look really sick, people aren't going to go around you and then the virus can't spread. And that actually selects for viruses that don't make people look sick and that hang out for a longer amount of time versus give you a coughing fit and kill you in the middle of the night. So it's like gravity. I, we just got a rule here of viruses that as they mutate, that's what they're doing. They're, they're becoming right. less deadly. Okay. It, it's, it's not really an argument. And what's interesting is, um, so in the beginning of this presentation, I actually have evidence of how the virus was engineered in a lab in a new paper by McCullough, as well as some of the vaccine specific side effects that are really shocking. So we can do that later because obviously we just dropped forward here. But this is just showing that the risk of death from COVID from the original trial that, that started these mandates is... 0.0091%. So it's so very, very low. And so what does that mean? And if we look at the uh, the group and looking back at that same trial, more people died of heart problems in the vaccinated group than people died of COVID in both groups. Say that again. More people died of cardiac arrest in the vac in the vaccinated group than people died of COVID in both groups. Okay. So in other words, if, if we're trying to prevent death, based on the trial, it's more yeah. likely that the vaccine is going to give people heart heart attacks than, than people will naturally die from COVID. 
Precisely. Okay. And, and and if we look at the leading causes of death, that or even even without the vaccine causing heart attack, right. you know that that now, just makes sense. Yeah. We know that the VAERS information is not good, but if we look at other countries' data sets, do we see more death from like? Does that turn out to be true? Great. General great. use. We're on the same wavelength. You see this? Oh yeah, dude. Flag? <laughs> so so I don't. So just because we can't trust VAERS, we can trust Pfizer. So that FOIA release, Pfizer released this data. They didn't want to, and so they actually had to look into every adverse reaction when they shipped 120 uh, million doses. And that's where I actually could get the vaccine kill rate and show that COVID-19 and the original trial was only six times more likely to kill you than the vaccine uh, than the vaccine was. And it's, it's dying with the vaccine or from the vaccine within two weeks, but it's still significant. But to, Wait, so the, you were still, so you, though you were still more likely to die from COVID than the vaccine. But only six times. Which is okay. ridiculous. Which, which which is a crazy trade off, right? Um, well, it's a yeah. particularly a crazy trade off when you realize that you could also have just given the vaccine to people in risk categories, and then you could potentially change that number to twenty to one ratio where it makes sense, right? Or yeah, you like, could just look at the right, yeah. or you could just look at the twenty to thirty year old ratio and go, oh, it's actually three to one. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like there's that. That's kind of the crucial aspect there of saying that there are. There are some deaths involved in taking the vaccine. Now, let's just say, let's say you start that as a true, but the number's one to like a million. Well, then you go obviously vaccine, right? Obviously. If, right. if the, But if it all depends on that number, and if it's different in different age categories, then you would want to look at each age category separately as opposed to just kind of mandating for everybody. All right, I hand it back to you though. Yeah, no, exactly right. And what's so hard is like, you can get angry like, Hey, you know, probably these vaccines were a great idea for people over 65 with diabetes, you know, that probably made that risk reward. You know, I'm, I'm definitely a gambling man. We can talk about that later, but like, I would take that, you know, um, but under 65, no fucking way. It's, it's amazing the the contradiction based on age, but even going to that. So this was Pfizer knew this data early 2021. And what does this data show? It actually breaks down numbers of who was infected by the most serious adverse reactions from the vaccine and in what age group and how and how bad was that adverse reaction? And what stood out to me is this is color coded. You can see that the 31 to 50 year old, the people that aren't really at risk of COVID, were the most likely to have uh, adverse reactions. And of that, you can see that females were almost three times more likely than males. So basically, uh, menstruating females 30 to 50 years old were were essentially having massive problems with the vaccine and this showed up in the data very early but they they kept it quiet because of mandates now what's the story with because i uh I'm, I'm working on sicko jokes about this but <laughs> msnbc reported a study that 42 percent of women are uh are seeing an increase in their menstruation right now firstly from what you've seen is that is that side effect kind of now been verified and how did they manage to kind of keep that under wraps for as long as they did i i think how do they prevent that flow of information yes oh i love it oh my <laughs> gosh oh the, yeah. wow you could do a lot there i love that um <laughs> <laughs> uh i think the same way they prevented a lot of this just gaslighting and they're and they're just like mandates 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 no you're wrong like and and you know 
I'm probably the last guy and scientist you should talk about, you know, who should talk about like menstruation. But I right. imagine like something that happens, like it doesn't happen too frequently, right? So you can able to gaslight people for a little bit, you know? It's not like you it happens every day where you're like, something's up. It's not like you eating food and, you know? Right. The joke, the joke I'm working on, I, I mean, I, I wrote this down today <laughs> in my little notebook uh, that I'm going to play around with, but like, I just can't believe it went for as long as it did just because, you know, people like talk about how women are like moody when, when they have their periods. But like, yeah. I feel like if I was, I would start every conversation with like, excuse me, I'm bleeding out of my vagina right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if I had a point, I'd be like, shut the fuck up sit on the couch, watch Grey Anatomy. I'm literally bleeding out of my vagina. And if I was bleeding more out of my vagina than usual, I never wouldn't talk about that. That would be my entire life. I would be at the CDC going, why is there more blood in my vagina? So, you know, I'm almost just surprised that like that wasn't more instant that, you know, that was recognized. Yeah, Women, I guess, I are really good at just stomaching pain and keeping their mouth shut. Dude, honestly, I was about to say that, but I didn't want to get in trouble. I'm like, yeah. maybe crazy shit happens like that all the time. And it's like kind of, you know, it's kind of crazy. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like my my joke from the last uh, uh, misinformation spectacular about making Asian penises smaller to get revenge <laughs> because they wouldn't tell us that it was happening. So maybe it's a little bit like that. You don't really want to have to start every conversation like call up your friends like, hey, you got uh, you got a little more blood down there. It's to, you know what I mean? Who wants to? Who wants to who wants to get into that? All right, Stephen, yeah. I derailed you with my stupidity. So we've got 31 to 50 year olds. So what what how many people in that category are actually dying from the vaccine? What are we looking at here? Is this yeah. like is this so right so right here you can see the fatal number. So the real so the real hard number to get out of this Pfizer boy release is what's the what's the numerator and the denominator, right? So obviously um the, the numerator is going to be like the amount of people that actually died, but then how many people got a jab? And right. So, so we're trying, we're trying to figure out the rate here. We want to know right. what percentage of people died that got vaccinated. And so what we know from, uh, so what we know from the data is that, by the way, I went to both my channels today and we are definitely going to get a flag on, uh, on, on the Rob's, uh, which, whichever one oh. it's fine. The Robbie, oh. the fire one. No, it's all good. Hey, Amen. We do what we do. I'm like a ghost, dude. I got kicked off Reddit earlier too. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But all um, right. Uh, but but yeah. So here, here's just that quick calculation that's actually really powerful and important. 125 million doses were shipped, but 50% of those people took two doses. So we want to know exactly how many people interacted with the vaccine, whether it was one or two doses, and then that's how many people we're going to use as the denominator. Right. Because I don't want to hear this bullshit about not being fully vaccinated until two weeks after your second vaccine. Nonsense. Right. Or if there was if I only got one shot and then you forced me out of your study and something happened, that's still the result of what you did to me. So let's change the question from fully vaccinated to if Pfizer put something in your arm, were you more likely to die than just getting covid? Or what is the what is like the the, the difference that I can at least look at the equation and go, all right, I'm point zero one percent likely to die from the virus and I'm point zero zero one percent likely to die from the vaccine uh, i'd rather die of a virus but like at least know the numbers so you can make that choice right and, and this was in february of 2021 that pfizer wanted to leak or, or or keep secret for 50 years so and so so right here so we're, we're going to go 125 million doses were shipped 
And as you can see, according to the, the CDC data, too, that we got, so about 50% of those people were double vaccinated. So what that means is 40 million people had two vaccines, which would take 80 million vaccines off the market. And then 40 million more people had one vaccine, which would add 40 million, which would take another 40 million, which would equal 120 million vaccines taken off the market, gone into 80 million people total. Does that make sense? Well, uh, yeah, because uh, some of those were two into one arm and some of those were one into one arm. So uh, right. in other words, the case study of the first shipment of vaccines out is that 80 million people were, were interacted. At least give, yeah, interacted with the with the Pfizer vaccine. Okay. Because this is real time. This isn't a study. This is actual right. data. This right. Is right. Real time. OK, this is this is a study on people that chose to get vaccinated. It's crazy, you know. Um, but, but yeah, so, so using that number, we can actually see, according to the freaking Pfizer data, that the, the vaccine three-month, the indiscriminate kill rate is 0.0015%. So okay. 0.0015%. And, what, and where, where did you get the total, de the total death number or something that they reported? Yep. So back here in this slide. How are, so just two quick questions. A, yeah. A, how are they keeping track of this? And B, how does that differentiate from VAERS? Like, are they, are, are they... Is this number that they have different than the VARES number? Uh, the VARES number isn't as uh, th this has to be reported to the FDA. So imagine a imagine a VARES system that's more stringent and like a Pfizer's person has to call into the hospital and find out what happened. Th so this, this is, is like so this is Pfizer. People at the hospital will call a Pfizer directly and go, hey, I got a vaccine death here. Yes. And it's a two way street. Um, yes, exactly. Because uh, this and is so um, it, I, I'm yeah. just saying, in your opinion, does that sound like it's a working system to account for that? Like, I, I would think that deaths would mostly fall through the cracks if the system is that Pfizer calls you and go, hey, you got any deaths? That just sounds very casual. True. I mean, there are systems in place at hospitals, though, that like, right. you know, and, and there are sheets that are already there. So I don't want to, you know, and, but why and would they? Why would they report it to Pfizer and not to VAERS? It's just easier. It got reported to both, but like you said, VAERS is a lot. It's not as regulated. Like this is this is akin to a peer-reviewed paper that gets submitted to the government. Um, so 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 these you know this number okay. you know if these numbers were manufactured, that's that's even that's uh, that's even you know that's even worse than like slightly lying about stuff. You know. Okay, so in other words, this is a peer-reviewed process that Pfizer has to go through to account i it's funny because i i was under the yes uh, i thought that the only way that we tracked this was through VARES. i didn't realize that pfizer had an additional requirement i guess to be tracking vaccine deaths so i, I don't want to speak out of line i don't know if it's a well it is a requirement right because right. you know this is the same thing we would have to do i work for companies that do like small molecules for cancer right and like so right. every time someone dies or every time there's the cancer spreads like we need to we log that in a system yeah Okay, so, so now let's go with, uh, so we've got our 13,886, 31 to 50 death, which is now point, what did you say it was? 0015. Okay, so how does that compare to COVID deaths? Give it to me. COVID death is 0 0.0091. So again, it's only six times more likely to kill you. COVID-19 was then, and this is the this is the old original COVID-19 than the vaccine. And then if you compare that to other things, so dying in a car accident, you're actually more likely to die in a car accident than die of COVID. And if people want to make, I thought this was fascinating. If you want to make taking the vaccine akin to winning the lottery, you're actually over 650 times more likely to get killed by the vaccine than win the California lottery. Okay. 
Um, different question for you here. Based on the current variants, which are less deadly, would would your number be more of like a three to one? Like what what would we be looking at now? If a doctor, if I were to meet with a doctor tomorrow and he would say, Oh my god, you're not vaccinated. I mean, this is a retarded doctor, but just work <laughs> with me here. Right. This guy goes, Oh my god, you're not vaccinated, you have to get vaccinated. What is the number now? Like, if you had to estimate what's the number now, that I would go, well, some three times more likely to die of COVID than I am of, of getting the from the vaccine. No. And then yeah. I think we're talking an order of magnitude now. So like, so, so right now, you know, you'd say the, the, let's see right here. I'll, I'll put my, oh. yeah. So like the indiscriminate kill rates 0. 0.0015. I think right now it's, you could do 0. 0.00015, you know, for, for these new variants. I think they're a whole order you mean of magnitude. For, you mean for, so in other words, in your estimation. Oh, oh sorry, sorry, um, 0.0091. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I, I apologize. I was pointing to the vaccine kill rate. So so what I'm estimating is that right now with these new variants, they're, they're a whole order of magnitude less deadly. So this so original. You would, so you would estimate that today you'd probably be more likely to suffer heart let's go with harm from the vaccine right. than die from covid Absolutely. different question for you so even if we're looking back at this three months ago so right now we're looking at the fatality rate what about serious harm what's the serious harm rate from the vaccine because that would also uh if i'm looking at my risk of reward of taking the vaccine versus uh you know dying of covid uh, i would also want to know like if there's substantial risk that i'm going to be found sick or you know have heart problems or otherwise that's that's gonna that's gonna obviously change the equation about whether or not i want to get vaccinated so what 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 existed at that time in terms of injuries uh yeah that's a great question i don't have the exact numbers but just looking this off the top of the off the just off the top it looks like there were 40 times more serious injuries than deaths so 40 times more serious injuries than deaths and so if the you were uh, you would be 40 times more likely, which would obviously make you more likely to have a serious adverse reaction than die of COVID. So, uh, wait, wait. Uh, you're 40 times more people had serious adverse reactions than, than fatal reactions. You mean to, we were talking to COVID or to the shots? All right, uh, to, to the shots, sorry. So whatever we're looking at here for death numbers, you do that times 40 and that's how many people had injuries? Where right. and where did you get that ratio from? Uh, so right here, if you count, th these are all the serious adverse reactions that were reported. And so the fatal was only twelve hundred. And I just added these off the top of my head and said forty thousand. All right. So uh, just a question: When we say fatal, does that mean being in a, like uh, like hospitalized with a vaccine injury, or does yeah, that just that mean like you could be home with like really bad flu? No, fatal is like dead as a doornail. No, I mean, fatal, we're talking, we've already looked at the death rate. Now I want to know like serious harm rate. And you're oh, saying that yeah. that's 40, like for every death, there would be 40 cases of like serious yeah. harm. So right. now I'm, I guess I'm looking to define serious harm. Is that, does that oh. mean like you're in the hospital or does that just mean like you can be home, you know, I guess with a really bad flu? Oh, I got to pull. I, let's, oh, actually, it's in. It's in. Let me. Um, and then just before you look that up, the follow up question would be. So the rate of hospitalization from getting covid 
in younger groups versus the rate of hospitalization from getting vaccinated? Oh, yeah. If you break it down by age, uh, I haven't done that. But if you just look at the data, you know, the, the people that are younger are anywhere from 10 to 100 times less likely. Hey, to... guys, but seriously, uh, thanks to the CDC and the hard work that they've put forward, your children are now eligible because <laughs> the study they did where they did three shots instead of two shots so that they could remove even more people from the study by not by having them not make it all the way to the end without getting COVID. But they're now, because of our efforts, eligible for our experimental technology because guess what? It's still a deadly virus, and so we can give emergency authorization to the same exact stuff that, according to Stephen, the data did not suggest usage in adults made sense either. All right, I hand it back to you. No, and these are great questions, dude, and I love it because this was all in the PowerPoint, so now we can we can like really tear into it. All right. So, th so like you said, like I, it's a peer-reviewed like process that Pfizer kept behind their walled garden because the information was so shocking, right? And and right. But, but the the information needs to be real, more so than anyone even going on the news and talking about it, just because it's a very formal, litigious process. Okay. Um, but so here is here is uh, actual screenshots from the thing that we can download from the FOIA report. And you can see it's very technical, but I'll just I'll just go ahead and read a little bit here. Um, so they classify it by what like organ was infected and see general disorders and administration site conditions. So there are 51,000 people reported pain, nervous system disorders, 25,000 mucoskeleton and connective tissue disorders, 17,000 gastrointestinal, 14 skin and tissue eight respiratory eight thousand infections and infestations four thousand that's interesting because there's evidence the vaccine lowers your your ability to fight off other infections and then injuring and poisoning five thousand and four thousand unknown all right i'd stop listening to all that so just give it to me straight <laughs> Oh, okay. So, uh, well, okay. Yeah, right, right. It, I mean, it, it just, you want to know what people are dying from or what the serious reactions are? Uh, let's go, uh, just give me like a, a, a total percentage number, a total number and a percentage number, even an estimate of, uh, or, or at least what they knew. Because it seems like they actually had pretty good data about whether or not, you know, the vaccine was causing harm to people. Yeah, so here, here there's some numbers and they're kind of, they're broken down kind of weird. So injury poisoning, um, uh, so the, let's see, five percent of people reported infections after. Um, yeah, I mean they they um they just kind of break it down by like headache, dizziness, hypertension, cough. It, it's just broken down a lot. It's kind of hard to see. Did anyone um, have their dick fall off? Because you know I was saying for a while people's dicks were gonna fall off. Even worse, though, they hid this in the data that I found. Okay. There's something worse than having your dick fall off? Yeah, dude. It's dying of severe COVID after getting vaccinated from it. Yeah, that's not great. <laughs> <laughs> dude, and, and they hid this yeah. down here. And remember, we talked about antibody-dependent enhancement years ago. And that's, and that's the ability of some vaccines. They make your body produce antibodies, but the viruses are changing so fast. They actually learn to use your antibodies against you and can make the disease worse. And so right here, 37 people of the 1,200 that died in the first three months, they actually died of severe COVID. All right. So let's segue here. I'm going to recap everything that we talked about so far. Uh, Lancet puts out an article, says that after eight months, you're actually more likely to have COVID problems if you've been vaccinated and not recently, uh, not recently boosted. 
Pfizer's done data dumps where they lost a lawsuit. They wanted to put this stuff over the course of 55 years. Not everything has been put out, um, but amidst what has been put out, you've delved into the numbers and um, there are reports of, let's keep it scandalous here. There's reports of both death and serious harm from taking the vaccines uh, in which if you look within healthy categories, the risk reward ratio of taking it uh, is probably not in their favor. Uh, now let's turn it over to, uh, and I, I, I'll make this that way, and then you can go over uh, these highlights from this. Uh, so, in terms of suppressing and bad information, I do think that this would be a good segue into Deborah Burks, who uh, basically has taken pride in her book of giving faulty information over to Donald Trump and others. Uh, to try and push her vaccine agenda. Uh, so when you and I were standing here and going, hey, they're clearly lying to us. Why are they lying to me? They're trying to sell this thing. And now they might, Here, here's their argument. I'll just tell you their argument. Their argument is, we know that we have a winning strategy here, but we have to sell it to people because if, if people are dumb, and so if we start giving them all the details, we know that they're going to spook them. So if we want to get them to comply because we think this is going to work, we need to lie to them because that's the only way that we're going to sell it. That's giving them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, in my opinion, I, I don't I, I actually think it's more nefarious. I, I think uh, you can watch the video of uh, Fauci basically saying, yeah, this vaccine will not be able to be rolled out within a year. I think what happens is Fauci's a sales guy and someone higher up than him. Uh, like it, you know, big pharma goes, no, we're going with this. Then he goes, all right, you sure? And then he's got to switch gears and start selling it. I hand it back to you, Stephen, give us the recap and then we'll get into Deborah Burks and how she lied to all of us. Oh, uh, yeah, great. And, and so what I found so important recently in, in this peer reviewed paper that was put out and that's been featured on Tucker Carlson, along with that Lancet paper that we went over, this is a different one is that what I struggled with is finding a connection from the MRNA vaccine to what's happening in people and tying that together, especially when there's so much misinformation and hiding going on. And so what was done again with Peter McCullough through his laboratory and some other authors is they were able to do a review and to look at studies done by other laboratories that have been peer reviewed and repeated, tie that together to make an argument and then tie that in with the data that we're seeing now to then point to how there can be a cause and effect relationship from the vaccine to what we're seeing, the side effects, and why it's so dangerous in people. And, and this means a lot to me because the, the argument's based on, okay, we're taking human cells, we're looking at, the, at them in a lab, we're then introducing the vaccine, and, we're, and that's kind of the foundation. And then from there, they're using animals. And then from there, they're looking at different markers. And then you can go into people that have been vaccinated and look for those same markers to make an argument to see what's really going on. Okay, I'm not sure if I totally follow that. Um, what are they trying to prove? Let's start with this. What are they trying to prove? Uh, so the so it's it's a it's a backwards looking looking at the side effects of the vaccines and then making a hypothesis on what's causing it and then testing that hypothesis on cells in a lab and then proving the argument through that way. Okay, and so I mean we'll just break it down. So what's the yeah. what's the hypothesis and were they able to prove it? Right. So they, they cover quite a bit here. And one of the most important things I think is that the spike protein, and, and by the way, what we're gonna cover is beyond a four year degree in molecular biology. Um, I've taught graduate students that wouldn't understand a lot of this. So it, you know, it, it, you know, that's just what it is. So 
but but ask questions. So basically, the, one of the problem or one of the benefits of mRNA technology is that you inject it and it hijacks your cells for them to produce a protein. In this case, the spike protein that's unnatural, and it's very important that this mRNA gets degraded very quickly within a week. And that expression of this protein is also very transient because it's hijacking your cells to produce it. So it's cool. So when you get a normal vaccine, they inject you with the protein. That protein causes reactions in your system. Your body gets angry, eats it. And within a couple of days to at least a week, it's gone. You know, you'll never find a little bit of something you injected in you there later, you know? That's different here. It was shown that this vaccine integrates into cells and continues to release the spike protein for up to 60 days. This is extremely important because the spike protein is the effector of the COVID disease. It's what it's what can uh, penetrate the blood-brain barrier. It's what binds to different organs and causes blood clots. Okay. Uh, all right. So in other words, the risk is that the mRNA is staying in people longer than what they assumed. And if it's in the body for longer, there might be harmful effects. Yeah, from the production of what they wanted us to vaccinate against. It's, it's right. essentially giving people a pseudo COVID infection for 60 days. Okay. Yeah, which, which is fascinating. And then, and, then, and then to build on this, they then looked at the actual spike protein and found that it's neurotoxic and neurotrophic. These are fancy words that means that it actually binds to neurons and can alter their growth and, and the ways they communicate. And, and while doing this, it can also uh, impair DNA repair mechanisms. And so uh, everyone's kind of heard of the BRCA gene with breast cancer and, um, you know, Angelina Jolie and whatnot. And so that gene actually has to do with repairing breaks in DNA. And so you can imagine when that gene doesn't work very well, your DNA breaks a lot and then you get cancer from mutations. And so what they found is that the spike protein in, in uh, a range of cell types actually binds to this BRCA protein and inhibits it. Long story short, it actually increases the mutation rate of your can of your cells, and also uh, promotes a, a an environment for mutation. All right, I'm on board. Right, and then also what they found is that on a systems approach going through the body is that there are certain types of chemicals and hormones um, that that are very potent for the immune system, like interferon, and they're very important for uh, for holding down viral infections, particularly like latent herpes infections, and also fighting off like if you get cut or uh, an infection that attacks you quickly, your body will release a lot of these interferons that kind of, uh, they're kind of like, uh, they light the torch, you, you, uh, you know, like when you have to get into battle positions, you have to light the, the, you know, in the old days, they lit a flame, and then everyone lights the flame. It's kind of like that, dude, it's like prepare for war, our body needs to go to battle. And so what this vaccine does is it actually stops the production of those battle signals, which can lead your body susceptible. All right. Okay. So these are all the issues, uh, potential issues of having been vaccinated. R right. And, and these are ones that they actually hashed out. These are actually the conclusions. I just brought, brought them to you first. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, and so, and, and then this is just kind of extra. This is what is the mRNA vaccine. And here I just make an argument that it's essentially a pseudovirus. It's a lipid nanoparticle that has that has material to hijack your cells, and it hijacks your cells for months. And so that's pretty important. And and so something you've heard on Tucker Carlson is that you know the vaccines change protein expression, and that's just a fancy way of saying that when your cells get infected with this mRNA vaccine, it actually forces them to create spike protein at the at the absence of other important proteins that your cells need. So instead of doing housekeeping genes and, and doing stuff your cells need, they're actually going to produce spike protein over that, causing more stress. 
And so this is actually something really important um, that's that's kind of hidden in there. And I think this can stand on its own. It's that uh, the spike protein, uh, if you look at its sequence, it actually has a really conspicuous, uh, very popular enzyme cleavage site that's used in the lab. Cleavage. Uh, yeah, dude, you you could do a oh, you could do a great thing there. I, I would do a cleavage joke. All right, with en enzymes and breasts. That that's why, cool. yeah, that's why they passed it. All these scientists were all distracted. They were just looking at that nice virus cleavage, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, you're good. Come on in." I'm in. Yeah, yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, right. uh, sorry. Yeah, but, my, we don't need my dumb jokes. It, no, hit, us, hit us with the facts. But basically. The, the probability that a SARS virus that's never had this really convenient enzyme cleavage site um, at the base of the spike protein happen naturally is nearly impossible. It, it, it virtually is impossible because no other COVID pro, uh, virus has seen this. And so what this screams to me is it's a hallmark of an engineered virus, because if you're studying the spike protein in a lab, you could actually use this cleavage site to cut it off and the spike protein would still be whole. And, and a good way to put this is like, if the COVID-19 virus was, was a body, it just so happens that there's a perfect site that when it infects humans or it's used in a lab, it can cut off right at the shoulder and, and still have a whole arm to go, you know, as opposed to just naturally, you know, having a site that would cut anywhere in the body. It just happens to cut the virus at a perfect spot that leaves the spike protein able to go out and still affect change. So you're saying they shouldn't be injecting people in the arm? Or am I just totally not understanding this? This is actually more to the natural COVID virus where it right. came from. So like if you look at the actual, so COVID is just like a bubble with a spike protein. Right. And, and this, and what's very strange is that the spike protein has what looks like a lab engineered cut site right at its base. Okay. And so, and so what this makes is, so when it infects people, this cut site makes it so your body actually can cut it right at that base and release the spike protein. Which uh, is okay which wouldn't happen normally and that's and the only reason that you would that that would show up is like if you're studying in a lab that's a cool thing to do you know because you can so it's like uh it's like a buckshot someone made the buckshot virus right right and it's amazing because like we went through before the spike protein is the problem right and so now there's this virus that has a perfect site that allows the spike protein to just kind of fly off like an arm and go right. do other stuff it just it, it it not only doesn't make sense, but that's something like you would commonly you know you would look at in a lab and you would steal from one virus and put it in another. Got it. Yeah. So that that, that was really crazy, and you know, so and yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, and and just more, just kind of more in the weed stuff about how once you get vaccinated, your body actually produces these spike proteins, and these spike proteins go on to affect change throughout your body um, in a negative way. And we're going to get superpowers. I mean, I, I get that some people will die from being vaccinated, but maybe one or two mutants. Is it possible? I think it's more likely people get barcoded. And so there's like, oh, yeah, by like, like the, the genetic material. Oh, you mean what? That they can recognize exactly who you, it's like a new thumbprint, but the way the mRNA disseminated with inside of you. And then when you go through airports, they can actually screen you for the way the mRNA has been distributed in your body. They don't even need a passport for you anymore. Or yeah, yeah, the possibilities are endless. Like they, you know, I, I the, the, yeah, it's crazy. All right, I'm, I, I'm on board. I, how much? Uh, how this much? Is it, yeah. Oh, forcing bad mutations. Okay, wait, no, no, no I want to see that. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is just back to the idea that we talked about is that when you have a leaky vaccine, that means a vaccine that still allows infection, that's a vaccine that still allows uh, uh, um, replication because viral infections replication, right? And so when viruses replicate, they mutate. So a leaky vaccine causes, uh, lets infection happen and it lets mutation happen. So not only does a leaky vaccine allow mutation to happen, it also provides the body with a certain type of immunity to whatever the vaccine was against. But that right. type of immunity obviously isn't strong enough to work. So now you have this kind of half-baked immunity that's going around the body and a virus that's still able to replicate and also under this pressure to be like, hey, there's this like lame, like lame, really bad skinny fighter. Like you should just like evolve to kick his ass. Then you can take over the world. You know, right. it's like, and that's not very hard to do because traditionally when you get vaccinated, that that initial that initial response that you get is so powerful. The viruses don't even really have time to replicate. Um, I'd like to point out that those palm trees behind you uh, have convinced me that you need to grow a mullet because with those glasses, if you look at it right there, that palm tree looks like a fucking mullet. That's the look for you, dude. Some. Oh wow! I'd be lying if I told you <laughs> I didn't think about it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a great look. Run it by that hot girlfriend you met on porch tour. All right, let's get into uh, Deborah Burks. Yes. Uh, I don't really have a, a PowerPoint slide on that, so we can just talk, but because that that's just crazy. Uh, so the problem is, it only came from it came from a source that I'm not familiar with, so it, it's not I, I wouldn't call it 100 percent yet. But they had pointed out that she basically put out a book where she bragged about lying to Trump about some of the information that she was receiving. Uh, I don't remember the specifics right now. It was about the death count. So she admitted to knowing that they were counting deaths of people that died with COVID and not from COVID. Oh, to try and make it more alarming than it was. Just like you said, man, I believe she's like, we know better. And even though the data doesn't show this, like this is what's happening. So we're going to make it happen. Like it's crazy. All right. Uh, What else do we want to cover while we've got our resident uh, non-scientist, Stephen? Okay, here, we do have a couple other things on the list and I will go to the comments in a second. Uh, if any of you guys have uh, specific questions, uh, but let's go with here are the other co- uh, topics. So we've covered Lancet. We've covered bad mutations. We've covered who's still dying of uh, of COVID. Now let's move on to the kid vax approval. I, I'll give my quick summation. Uh, and then you can tell me if I missed anything or if there's anything else for people to be aware of. One, there's no emergency of kids. There's none. I, I, don't, I don't know of any data that would suggest that your kid is at high risk of death because of COVID. So emergency authorization does not make sense. Then the study itself, what they did was they did three rounds of shots. And the advantage of doing three rounds of shot was that if anyone got COVID prior to two weeks after the last shot, right, they weren't con- they weren't like considered as a part of the study. So the final the final end of the study, I think only included the number that comes to my head was like 14 kids. Like, so (laughs) is that accurate? That's what I seem to remember was that they pulled a a good stunt there of basically getting everybody out of the study by breaking it down by three shots that were separated by integrals of time. And that I, I also believe that there were some, uh, but this, uh, this is real conjecture right here. Cause I just don't remember the specifics, but I do think that, I mean, there was some amount of kids that I think probably had some side effects, you know, prior to the end of being fully vaccinated that then don't get recognized. No, I think you're totally right. And 
I, I heard something. Uh, well, I didn't. I kind of looked at something in that, and I didn't look at it anymore just because I knew it was trash. Like we could have right. known this was trash. So like it, it kind of falls in that bucket for me. It's like it's just gonna like pollute. You know, I rather think about like unicorns or something. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? No, it's like um, we know we know that they're lying. It's like do, how much time do I really want to spend like w- reading this fucking chart to figure out how they manipulated data? Right. And 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 they're doing it so boldface. So like the thing that I saw is like they use like neutralizing antibody titers. So they essentially use like those antibody tests to be like, Oh, did it work or not? And it's like, yeah, if you inject anyone with something, they're going to make antibodies to it. Right. right? But that so- doesn't mean that they actually have immunity. Precisely. All right. Next on our list here. Um, what the fuck is pa- Paxlovid? What's the deal there? Yeah. So that's like, it's, it, yeah. So it's interesting. That's like a lot closer to the molecules that I, uh, used to like really help, um, uh make and test on cells because it's a very specific molecule that's supposed to block uh, the viral a viral replicates or a viral uh, viral enzyme and it's a it's an enzyme that the virus makes and only the virus uses so ideally when you take paxlovid it gets dispersed throughout your bloodstream and goes into all your cells of interest in your lungs and whatnot and right. it hangs out in there and then when the virus tries to tries to replicate it binds and stops it but what, what happens is you have to think about distribution. So how much Paxlovid are you taking and how, how is it getting into the places where COVID is multiplying? Because if you have all the Paxlovid and it goes to your liver, then it doesn't help COVID if it's in your brain or in your right. nose. And right. then on top of that, Paxlovid apparently has tons of reactions with, with common medications like statins, which is like a, what, what, you know for cholesterol. Is Paxlovid even better, any better than like the Remdisfer or the other uh, monocle antibodies that they were giving people? So the monoclonal antibodies are kind of in a league of their own. They're kind of like experimentally designed missiles that should work for whichever virus they designed them for. So, but whether right. they work for the new viruses, you know, it, that's more just based on the virus, not on the antibodies. But like remdesivir is a good, it's good for like HIV and other things. It's very broad. I believe it's like a nucleotide inhibitor, but it's a similar type of, it's a similar type of mechanism. But the problem is like that doesn't always work. And even if it binds, you know, COVID pretty well, you know, it apparently doesn't help all the time and there's rebound. And and the thing that that's um, more, I guess, macro is that viruses that replicate fast and that, that we cough and, and um, things like the common cold that we just communicate fast with, you, you know, you, you, you can't really, they kind of hit you quick and then they're, they're either on to the next one, you know, like loading so up. Got, with, yeah. There was one thing with the Paxlovid that seemed kind of funny to me, which was, and I, I, dude, I haven't fully researched this one, but it seemed like they weren't recommending Paxlovid for people that had been vaccinated, but that <laughs> if you hadn't been vaccinated, that it might actually be a good tool. And I just thought that uh, it was, it, it, I didn't go further than that, but it just seemed to me like it would be really funny if they actually had found what would have been the cure for people in risk categories if they hadn't vaccinated them. And I also don't understand, but this was like one headline that I saw that they weren't recommending it for people that had been vaccinated, but yet both Fauci and now Biden are taking it. And then we know that Fauci did have that rebound effect. Uh, any any comments on that or is this not something you're familiar with? Yeah, man, that's, uh, again, this is like exactly what we used to do. We uh, People that uh, have very bad cancers, they get kind of passed through the process and when no drugs that are on the market work they can sign up for trials and those trials are that the companies that i used to work for would design drugs for those trials and test right. them eventually on those people but the 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 point is that like when 
Oh, sorry, what, what would you say again before that? You asked about if it was working for people that were not vaccinated, but yet oh. not recommended for people that are. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, so you you would basically, yeah, um, shit, I forget the point I was gonna make. I, I basically it just kind of like filters down. Um, so what? No, you said something else. What'd you say after that? Yeah, who cares? All right, yeah, yeah but all right, but, yeah. Stephen, yeah. I want to move on to the crypto rebuttal. Before yeah. we do that, is there anything else uh, COVID related that you think people should be aware of? I think it's all kind of out there um, and also just really stressing it. It seems like uh, what kills you is like your own body. It's your own body's reaction. Like COVID is already on its way out when everyone dies. It's the own, their own body's reaction to what COVID did to them. So it's just really important to, I know it's lame, take care of yourself, but like to give you like some hacks, it's really about metabolic activity. So like, you know, try to like eat less frequency frequently and, you know, intermittent fasting is good. I do some tricks like metformin. Um, working out's good. I don't do that nearly enough, but yeah. So just, you know, it's really, it's really on yourself. It's not, you know, Googling what COVID or what bacteria illness you have. It's, that's not really important. It's more important how you were before and why you're getting it. I work out and eat donuts. Uh, <laughs> and, hope, and then I hope that it balances out. And then I, I keep, right. uh, enough chubbiness to me to keep a youthful look. Cause you know, you get too thin, you start looking old, but you, you keep a little, a little of that goofy chubbiness on you, a little bit of tit meat. And then you, you still look like a like a 14 year old, but a ball get away with a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So I uh, me and uh, I, I, I. All right. Well, we'll start from here. You're, you're a Bitcoin maximalist. You're one of these uh, guy swan people. You're out there. You're keeping all your income in crypto. I love crypto. I think it's a great idea. I think Bitcoin might be the tool that takes over you know, robs the government of its power and puts, you know, puts us back in control. I love it. With all that being said, when it was at 60, I didn't recommend buying it at all at prices like this. I think 5% of your wealth makes sense. Maybe 10% if you're getting really aggressive. Uh, but I do think that it's a risk asset. And as much as I love it, and I hope that it pans out in the long term, uh, I'm not as confident that I would like to store hundred percent of my wealth in it. So you were very, you were very angered by this, and I like it when you get angry because you'll send me a long fucking text. You'll Real break long. it down, and you'll be like, "You're fucking going off the rails. What is wrong with you?" So I hand it back to you to let people, because your arguments are sound. I read them, and I'm like, "Okay, I like, I don't, I like, I don't take issue with what you're saying." I'm like, "This all makes sense," but I still just don't feel comfortable having 100 percent of my wealth in crypto. But I think I, it's perspective. Okay, but so I hand it to you because I know, I, I know you take a more of a. I, your perspective, I'll just introduce it that this is a brilliant technology that if I had a full understanding of, I would have more faith in it. It's that I don't have a full understanding of the genius to the technology. So I look, I look at it the wrong way. So I hand it to you. I hand it to you. You can, you can give us, and you can get charged. If you want me to, you want me to make a disparaging comment first that you can get into character. No, I want you to later though. I want you to later though. So first, I would say that's yeah. not half of it. I think it's actually even a different type of perspective. So what you said about risk asset also goes to this. So I think it's really important. All the criticism I hear about Bitcoin has to do with its price. And what's interesting about that is that Bitcoin controls everything except its price. Its price is controlled by people buying and selling it pretty openly on the free market. But as far as Bitcoin being a medium of transaction and you know giving people private property rights where they have transient access to the internet, it does that and it verifies itself every 10 minutes. Um, 
it's hated by almost everyone now. Every government would love to destroy it. Hackers would love to hack it. And it still goes every 10 minutes. So I would say all the criticisms that I hear, especially now, and it's so easy to criticize, is based on the price action of Bitcoin, which is obviously important. But Bitcoin's kind of unique, along with some other things, that it doesn't matter whether one Bitcoin's worth one cent or one trillion dollars. The same computers work the same way and the same interactions take place. Um, so, so the criticisms that I hear are all about the price, which is really just about how people are acting. And it's not about, oh, well, is the Bitcoin network down? Like, oh, do I have less Bitcoin in my cold card account? Or, or, or is the Oslo Freedom Forum not promoting Bitcoin for people in other countries, particularly like women in Afghanistan, you know, people in Africa to start, you know, holding some of their wealth in this kind of, uh, in this new assets? Like, no, all, all that's happening and still happening. So that's just my argument that I would love to hear people criticize the technology more and not necessarily a price action. But that's hard to do because there are a lot of assholes that, that pitch the price. Right. But there's uh, he, here's the element of that that's somewhat removed from reality. The, re, the utility of Bitcoin more than anything, it's not just that I can transact in it, but is it going to be a better store of my wealth now long term? versus currency which governments have control over now i'm giving you the pitch for this and they can print 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 so would i rather have my assets in a currency that's not controlled by government and no single person can inflate or would i rather be at the mercy of government that they can inflate at any single juncture in time right right so at the moment you look at it conceptually and you go all right well between those two options on paper bitcoin sounds better to me because no one can you know inflate it right all good However, if the price action of Bitcoin is mostly based off of speculators, and so the problem that we have in other markets is that there's too much capital available, and then basically uh, you're creating credit asset bubbles because people have you know too much cash on hand, and like so they're leveraging returns from other places. So what do you mean by speculators? What I mean by speculators is if somebody has money. And they're looking at the stock market and they're going, where can I get returns? And so they choose to speculate on Bitcoin as People opposed to, to uh, make more money instead of buying it to use it. Yes. Of. But cool. most of the usage of right. crypto, myself included, I own whatever amount of crypto I own. I've never transacted with my cryptocurrency. I've, I've bought it solely because I'm gambling that it's a better store of my wealth than is U.S. dollars for a percentage of my income that I feel comfortable making that speculation. Now, people like you go, yeah, but Bitcoin's better because we can all transact in it. And I'm saying, yeah, but what percentage of the usage of it is people actually transacting? And then the current price would not be reflective of that. So if it's if it's based on the market for actual transactions using Bitcoin, then there's probably a particular price that Bitcoin would be at. And then I would say, yes, we should all go buy it at that price. But that's not where it is. Most people are going into it to try and store their wealth. And the, the and that is reflective of, you know, other assets and the way people are putting money on it. And then on top of that, which was something else that you criticized, it is at risk for if it was became popular enough, governments might ban it or you can might I take like the first one first. Sure. And then please. you can go. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So so the first one, I think you're um, you're 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 confusing the ability to transact in Bitcoin and people doing it so right. it's as easy as ever and I, like i i buy chipotle i've been buying haircuts i need to get a new one soon but but i've been you like, gotta grow out that dude you gotta fucking grow all, out that back 
Hell yeah. Back, dude. Yeah, dude, I actually like that. Um, but um, but like uh the the brewery by Casey's house actually has a Cash App thing. So I actually I can transfer Bitcoin to Cash App and actually use it to pay for beer and stuff. It makes sense for me because I, I mine at home, so my cost of acquisition is really low. And, and I and you know, I uh, yeah, so but any but if you want to do the alpha, you could do it. But back to your argument. So people Bitcoin's kind of like a life raft. So I would agree that you people can hop on and it has those abilities when you need to use it, but you don't need to use it. It's kind of like storing food in your closet. Um, if you could also, you know, turn that food into anything, money at any time or anything else or transfer it for value. So I see what you're saying that like no one's really using Bitcoin to transact. Um, I would argue there is a fair amount of remittances over the network and people with large amounts like of money. Fair, do- fair amount is different than what's driving the demand and so what like and so what's actually so you're saying what's the, the price case? it's not the use case it's that let's just say tomorrow let's just theoretical mm-hmm. tomorrow your biggest hedge funds all said you know what we're putting a hundred percent of our wealth into crypto blackrock said you know what we're done with the stock market we're taking our 10 trillion dollars and we're putting it into crypto what's going to happen to the price of crypto it would go up but but it would work the same as if they didn't the actual technology. Right. But I understand that the actual tech, but it, but all right, BlackRock puts all of its money into crypto. Now you get to go, all right, wow, this crypto thing really went up in value. All of the major financial institutions are going into it. This must be the big pivot point. Well, and it, it, the let crypto me, let went up finish. in value. Okay. Let me just finish. I would still tell you, hey, this is an exciting time, but guess what? All these people might decide they don't want to be in there. And so I wouldn't put 100% of my wealth in there because it might come back down when these people pump and dump on it and there's risk here. What I'm trying to say is that the actual asset price is going to defer from the usage because we're not at full adoption. If we were at full adoption, then you'd be at a, at a point where like it's it, it's being used as a currency and there then the risk, there would still be speculators, but the price points because of speculation would be much lower if in other words if most of the if like if if most of the crypto look at it this way if blackrock there's so much usage of us dollars that like blackrock's not really going to inf- affect inflation like imagine if blackrock decided they were going to cash out of the stock market and put it all into cash is there going to be a big d- difference in terms of my us dollar or even if they decide i don't even know maybe if they spent that money i don't really know i'm not that's that just over my head let me let me let me simplify let me simplify if everybody in the world were using Bitcoin on a daily basis to transact, right? So then like 90% of like your speculators would not be able to make a big difference in price because it's like no matter how much they amass, buy, sell, or trade, it won't affect the fact that most people are storing their wealth in it. So you're not going to have a, you're not going to, okay, wait, wait, hold on a second. Let's go with my theoretical. If a hundred percent of the planet was using Bitcoin as their currency, if Warren Buffett on a day decided that he was going to convert all of his wealth oh, in or okay. out of Bitcoin, that the, the actual, you, you know what I mean? That's not going to be that large of a percentage of it. It's not going to make that much of a difference in terms of the price. So even though the technology is key, like, uh, this is no different than if we were looking at, uh, I, 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 let's, I, let's say fucking nuclear technology, right? You, if all of a sudden I'm looking at the nuclear technology market, and uh, every single major hedge fund said, hey, I want to get into nuclear technology. And so the stock prices on uranium went up to, let's say, from 1000 to 10000 yeah. And I sure. went, hey, 
don't put all your money into this and you go, well, uranium is uranium either way. It doesn't matter what the market's doing. Uranium's uranium. It's still going to be valuable because it's uranium. I'm like, yeah, but I'm putting my money in here to preserve my wealth. And so I don't really care about the usage. I more care about the way that the market's pricing it. Yeah. So I'm not doing it to preserve my wealth for tomorrow or next month or even next year. I'm doing it to preserve it over like four or five year time span. Right. But that's speculative. That's fine, but it's speculative. Sure, sure. But the, but the, by that argument, everything's speculative. Like yeah, you just so it, and yeah. and if everything's speculative, it might be a good idea to diversify that's, and and yeah, and, and decide how much risk you want to take on any particular asset. You know, the only thing speculative is again the price. The technology isn't speculative. Like, right, but you're but you're if speculating. It went, yeah. If it went, let's just say it went down from ten thousand to one thousand, and the technology yeah. is still just as good. How much of your actual wealth did you just lose? Right. Well, I don't I don't have a hundred percent, but if you price it in United States dollars, then that many. But if you price it in Bitcoin, none, right? Right. But if you gotta go buy some shit. <laughs> right, but that's it. Buying shit, that's buying shit next month. I'm talking about buying right. shit in maybe two two years or four years. So yeah, so I totally agree, but I would just argue that the argument that it's speculative, everything's speculative and, and like it's saying, these are all critiques about people's interaction with it. And, you know, if you wanted to use it for transactions, you can't. It's really easy. Like McDonald's takes it or like their business. The, you know, there are more AT Bitcoin ATMs around me than Chase ATMs. All right. I love crypto. Every time I get a paycheck between now and while it's at 20,000, yeah. I'll probably put 5% in. That's going to be my strategy. The rest of it, I'll just let it sit in the bank and let the U.S. government have it because I don't mm -hmm. want to have to take that much responsibility for the choices. What? Yeah, I'll, 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 put a, I'll also put a certain percentage into food that's just rotting in my closet because I don't right. like running my air conditioning. I like to pretend that the food supplies are going out and that I, I'll be the one person quietly like that like that scene in Family Guy and where there's spoof fan Frank and Peter's quietly trying to eat chips. I'm going to be like that in my building where at two in the morning I eat because no one else has food and I don't want them to know. Actually, one last thing though. Yeah. All those arguments you make can be made about gold, except gold doesn't have the technology Bitcoin does. So All right. Sort of, well, yeah. guess what? I own, I have an even lesser percentage of my wealth in gold. Yeah, but it's, phys it's physical. Come kick in my door, people. Don't find my address. All yeah, right, Stephen. Anything yeah. else you wanted to uh, to cover? Oh no, man, that's fun. Um, a plug for Casey's Frequency Medicine. I think we're going to be starting something in Long Beach. And, okay. Uh, looking forward to more porch tours in Southern California. Nice Frequency Medicine. Do I have to buy uh, ancient rocks and rub them on my foreskin? uh no we have all the rocks there um oh well how much foreskin do you have not much <laughs> okay <laughs> well uh, there, there actually yeah. is a part of the process where they look at your testicular health so oh, okay so just, yeah. well, it's you, not hands-on though it's well, not you were, well you were casey be inspecting my nuts it might be a team effort. We'll see. Okay. Uh, <laughs> one, one for everybody. Uh, and uh, at some point, me and Brian are going to do the uh, the, break, the the great sperm race. But, you know, that'll probably be next year's summer porch tour. That'd be so funny. We'll yeah. Take well, we'll have to build some sort of like a, a set so like we can put it down. And then under the microscope, you got a way of like putting it up on the screen and like, you know, really doing an evaluation. Bro, there are actual, there's actual like female chemicals we can use that draw the sperm. That's how they okay. know. So we can, you know? can we, can we actually build a course like that they have to go through like a microscopic egg that can like glow when they break. Yeah. It yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, and color it like it's an old video game. Yeah. Like, oh, dude, that's, oh. maybe we should talk offline. 
All right. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Before we call it an episode, this episode was brought to you by YoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo. For adults over the age of 21, if you're into Kratom products, uh, not recommending this to new users, but if you're into Kratom, you will not find cheaper prices anywhere on the internet. And uh, I like it. The white men got if I got to clean. That's all I'll say. Uh, Steven, anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, you're the man, dude. Really liking the recent run your mouse and part of the problems. Thanks, buddy. All right. That's all I got. Have a great day, everybody. Peace. Later.